Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Hey y'all, and welcome to Touchy Subjects Podcast, the podcast that aims to break the silence that tends to come with conversations around domestic and sexual violence. I'm Sean, and today we are going to be discussing vulnerability as a continuation from our previous episode that we did. And back again is Di Manuel. So thank you for joining us again, Di. Thank you, Sean. It's so good to be back. Uh, I mean, it's 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 wild. It's only been a few months, but it, it feels longer. You know, yeah. it's just so much has happened in the, the short span since we last connected. So it's uh, but it's good. You know, life can continues to go on, and uh, but it's uh, it's wonderful to be back here again. Yeah, I'm super glad to have you back. Super glad we were able to reconnect and do this a continuation because mm. we kind of left us off almost on like a cliffhanger. Which for those of you listening. It won't seem like that much because this episode will be coming out directly after the last one that we did. But for Di and I, it's been about, like you said, a month, a month and a half since we've recorded these. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check that one out and then come back here. <laughs> but really what we wanted to kind of focus on today was continuing that conversation we had on vulnerability, but really also giving you all some kind of tangible steps that you can take or things that you can start kind of working on if you're wanting to practice vulnerability more because i think in a way you know it's funny right i I think if any man you know again as a man who identifies as a man just to repeat myself here you know like i'm speaking from my experience what i've observed with with other individuals that are similar in in representation and, and identification but you know i i don't think as men we wake up thinking sheesh I really want to be vulnerable today. <laughs> you know, like I, I <laughs> you know, I, I think it's one of those things where if we had a choice in the matter, I don't think we we set out to choose to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, but knowing that we have the skill to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be open, to be able to communicate how we're feeling in a way that allows us to become more connected and understanding as well as empathetic with one another, I think that's a valuable skill. And it's something yeah. worth developing, but that begs the question, how the heck do you develop it? You know, yeah. especially when our default is to avoid it, <laughs> right? It's like, right. you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's one of those weird situations that we find ourselves and it's kind of chicken or egg, right? It's like, mm, which is first. And uh, unfortunately both have to happen. You know, yeah. you, you got to be practicing, but you also got to be doing it. And uh, it, it's, man, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of dive into that. I'm sure today. Yeah. Well, it's like any, it's really like any skill. Like there are some of us who some things come more easily to than others. It's like, go if I go using the example of when I used to play soccer all the time, I played soccer. I was never going to be like the best soccer player on my soccer team, but there were skills that I could see as I had practiced them. I was getting better at them. I didn't walk out onto the pitch and like be like the best player in the world. Like I had to work on some of the things and for any of my friends who have played soccer with me who are listening, no, I never accomplished some of those things. Like <laughs> you're never supposed to stab at the ball when you play defense. And that was one habit I could never break. But <laughs> that's kind of the the discussion that we're going to get into at some point today is that we have been conditioned and trained to do 
things one way. And when it comes to learning a new skill, when we have a competing skill already in that place, mm. there's some unlearning that has to happen first before we can actually learn this new skill. Right. I, I'd agree. You know, like it's, it's, you know, we're just, uh, when I think about all this, you know, just think about who we are, right? And, and how we've become who we are today, like presently, right? If you think about who we are right now, if you take an inventory, who am I right now? You know, and all we are is a culmination of, of everything that we've consumed, you know, as far as knowledge, you know, and how do we learn? Well, we learn a number of different ways and I'll get to that in a sec, but, you know, we've had amassed a, a lot of experiences, right? And it ultimately shapes our reality, especially right now. And if we take an inventory of how much of that history is, has seen us practicing this idea of being vulnerable, I, I think a lot of times we, we default to something rather negative. Do you know what I mean? Like it, we, we associate those as very negative experiences mm -hmm. or experiences where we've been taken advantage of. We shared something that we thought we were sharing something in, in private and confidentiality and then someone turned around and maybe they used that against us. You know, or they use it in another conversation as a way to almost justify something completely out of context, right? And I'm speaking from experience here, okay? So <laughs> I've had this happen to me. And if that was my, my first experience or one of my very first memorable experiences of being vulnerable, of course, I'm going to be like, forget that. I don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, like, and so we, we, we have to be sensitive and, and, and empathetic to, to people's experience with vulnerability or this idea of, of opening up of being authentic, of being transparent, uh, of actually saying what's bothering us at times or, or things that are bothering us about ourselves at times. But it's a skill worth developing, yeah. you know? But it's not until you get there do you actually appreciate it, right? But it, it, it's weird, man. It's just one of those little conundrums I think we find ourselves thwarted into that situation as men. Yeah, and one of the things that you said in there that I really want to point out is the opening up piece because i think when we have discussions on vulnerability we often conflate vulnerability with being very emotional talking about like our deepest deepest emotions or what we're feeling but that opening can up that opening up could just be something like hey man i don't like you when you tell jokes like that yes exactly it's like having that willingness to be open and real with the people that we're hanging out with is a piece of vulnerability but we don't we focus so much on the super emotional pieces of vulnerability when really it's just that willingness to be more open and realize and i think that was a great example because I, I often forget about that it's also speaking to what we believe in um not, not necessarily to be antagonistic or offensive or polarizing but simply to to defend what we believe is right you know and even in those situations to speak up rather than shrink away or avoid is the more difficult path, but it's the one that we often feel best about doing, you know, because it's the right thing to do. A case in point, I, so while I was living in Bali a few years ago and I had the men's group going um, while I was living there, I remember there was this younger guy and, um, he, 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 you know, we had our Monday night meeting and then he said, Hey, later on this week, do you think we could go to lunch? I'd just like to, to chat. And, you know, I, I could get the feel that he was looking for some insights some some, you know, he was early twenties. I, I was easily 20 years more 
older than him, a couple decades extra under my belt. I had a family, I had kids, you know, I had kids that were closer to his age than my age, you know? So it was interesting. It was, it was nice. I was like, sure, of course. I mean, I liked him. He's an entrepreneur in the digital space, a nomadic. Like it just, I was really impressed, you know? And I was like, sure. So we're sitting down and we're having this, this lunch and he's picking my brain, you know, really obviously looking for some mentorship. And during that conversation, you know, when we would venture into relationships, because at the time he had a girlfriend that was also traveling with him that was there in Bali as well. But the way he would speak about women in general, in particular, using terms like chick, babe, you know, like just, just rather, you know, in certain contexts, very derogatory terms, right? And I'm not here to judge that. I'm not. I remember being in late teens, early 20s, even in my mid 20s, having some of those side conversations with the guys, you know, in the gym or whatever. And yeah, I use terms like that too. I don't anymore, but I remember using it. And I remember bringing it up. I was like, you know, because it was tough because I, as a father, and even I remember also him making a comment about the waitress, you know, and, and at this point, I was like, okay, I got to say something. Because here I am, a father of two teenage girls. I'm also someone that's been dating his wife for over 20 years, you know, and, and someone that was raised by his mother, you know, like I, I just, I, I put women on a bit of a pedestal, which they should be, you know, like, and, and I had to say something. Now I tried to say it as without any judgment or shame or blame or, or any negative connotation. But here's the thing, as soon as I brought it up, immediately he gets on the defense. and his best form of defense was offense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and people know what I mean by this, right? Like he just took offense to what I just said. And I brought it up more in a conversation, like asking, is there a reason why you refer to women by these terms or have these statements about women's aesthetic? You know, like, did I give off an energy or some understanding that you thought that this would be okay with me to have this type of dialogue? Like, because I was also curious, maybe I was cueing or, you know, giving an impression that said, hey, this is okay. And he just got really closed off and very offended and, and defensive and, and clearly felt triggered. It shut down the conversation. And, and to be fair, you know, I, he didn't come back to the men's group. I was really, I, just, I was, felt a little bit bad about the thing. You know, when I say a little bit bad, I was like, I started, you know, asking myself, like, could I said things differently? Did I say something that should have been taken that way, you know? And, and I realized that, you know, I felt really good about the way I handled it. I did. I handled it as best as I think I could. But clearly there was something else going on his side, mm -hmm. you know? And, and we have to remember that when we're vulnerable, there, there are two people involved in that conversation or that situation. And yes, even though sometimes we might be speaking our truth, as they say, and, and holding to our values and defending those values to an extent, but it isn't always going to be received positively. And I think that's it's really very important to note that because, you know, Brene Brown brings up something very interesting. I think we mentioned this in our previous conversation was, you know, being vulnerable isn't meant for shock and awe. You know, and that's quoting Brene Brown specifically, you know, and she refers to, you know, like if you're being vulnerable to say, whoa, like, look at me, you know, like, or create awe or like, 
oh wow, or put us up on a bit of a pedestal because oh my goodness, look at the vulnerability, look at the you know because it's it's started to be positioned that way, right? We're starting to see it sort of show up that way, and that's that's not a healthy use of the the, the idea of being vulnerable because there is a different ulterior motive to why we're doing that. And, and I, I really truly believe that those are things that we have to take into account and, and realize just being vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable is devaluing the skill that we're talking about today. Yeah. You know, and so asking oneself, why am I wanting to be vulnerable? Why do I feel that I need to be vulnerable? Like it is important to have that understanding about ourselves. So we're clear on what our motivations are. I check in with myself sometimes before I go somewhere, you know, there's certain stories I have no problem telling to anybody, you know, but there's certain things that are very private. Are they confidential? Yeah, within certain circles for sure. But I'll open up and I'll talk about that. If there's trust and there's understanding, there's connection. And I believe that there's a purpose to doing so. But if I'm doing it for my own self-serving, for my own ego, I know when I check in, I'm like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to make myself feel better or to make myself appear as something that I'm not? And if that's the case, then I, I stop myself in the tracks. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? You know? And because it's that self-awareness piece and that self-regulating, um, if you will, that is very important to attach or associate with this idea of being vulnerable. You know, I, I really believe that because, you know, otherwise it's a free for all and I, I find things get misunderstood, misconstrued, um, misrepresented, you know. So anyways, that, that was just a couple of thoughts on that. So I appreciate it. it allowed me to go down that little side <laughs> route there, you know, because I think it's important to, to, to bring that up. Oh, no, for sure. And I really like. Because I do a lot of similar things, like when I'm doing my presentations and stuff, I want to make sure that whatever examples I'm using, I'm using for the intended purpose. Um, we didn't, we did an episode, um, for those listening now, it'll be a few weeks, about, about, about a month ago, um, on helping survivors share their stories. Um, and one of the points that we make in it is if as a survivor, your intent was to share your story to build empathy, let's help you figure out how to tell your story that way. But if your intent is to help learn and educate, you're going to tell that story completely different. The way that I'm going to be sharing my story to my friends about, whatever it is versus what I choose to share and use in a presentation are going to look vastly different. Yes. So when I mentioned in our last episode together, where there's definitely been things that I've done before that I'm, I'm not proud of where I've not navigated my friends being vulnerable with me to the best of my abilities at that time, I share those things to show my audience specifically that I've been in a position where I wasn't the best at what I'm doing. I'm never going to tell you that I'm perfect at doing it now because that's not the case. But doing that to show and how I can relate to my audience then to bring them in. Because like what happened to that guy in the men's group is one of the things I never want to have happen in a presentation. If I shut somebody down and they just no longer focus or have to care what I have to say because I've shut them down through maybe not navigating it best or maybe saying something that just they didn't like yeah. I've lost the ability to help bring them in to help them begin that that journey right. and it's just it's always something that I'm cognizant of too is like how far deep into this story can I go before I lose the educational piece of it so just hearing that in there I was like oh that's per it's perfect that's what I do 
you're right though but it, no and i appreciate that because it's i mean yeah we're trying to be sensitive we're trying to be empathetic and sometimes maybe even sympathetic you know um, i prefer to be more on the empathy than the sympathy side obviously but yeah um it, you know I, I think the biggest thing is being able to just envision ourselves in the same situation and, and chances are many of us may have been in that same situation already and then how do we convey that message in a way that provides them that relief that my gosh i'm not so alone here's somebody else that they get me they understand what i'm dealing with they understand the challenge i'm having because just that and alone being acknowledged being heard being seen being understood that in itself is a massive relief it really is because obviously you just don't feel so alone you know and and it, it, it's just amazing how our perspective literally just shifts instantly when we realize that, that, oh my gosh, you know, this problem that I, I've been, you know, carrying around with me, like an old suitcase, you know, handcuffed to my ankle, like I, I don't need to keep carrying this by myself. Yeah. In fact, there's other people that have already figured out how to get rid of this stupid handcuffs and to ditch the suitcase with the extra baggage. And I would have never known that had I not been vulnerable enough to at least open up about what I'm working through and what I'm struggling with. You know, yeah. and it's great that I was able to connect with somebody that gets me, understands it, but not only that, is able to provide maybe some mentorship or some some counsel to, to give me greater understanding or greater perspective of how I too might be able to now navigate these challenges a bit more effectively than I am now. And, and all that stems from that, that being able to be authentic as well as open up and be vulnerable, you know, and uh, both hard for sure, not easy but very much worth it when we think about quality of life and quality of connections and experiences and really just evolving into that person that we always wanted to be, whatever that might be for the individual that's thinking it or saying it or articulating it, you know, like whatever. But uh, it's pretty cool once you start to really appreciate how much more it makes life. I, I guess, it, let me put it this way. It's like going from black and white into color, you know, and then going from color into 4K. It's like, holy, you know, it's like everything just gets so much more enriched. Everything, your work, your quality of relationships, your family, like everything. Because we are all connected, whether you're willing to agree to that or not. Yeah. Because we are, you know? Yeah. And I think oh, listening to, like, as you were just going through that, you can kind of see all of the different whys. Yes. Yeah. Of like, why do I want to be more vulnerable? Why do I want to be more able to open up? It's like, I want to have better relationships with partners. I want to have better relationships with my friends. I want my, I want to be more fulfilled in my job. Those are all whys somebody may want to seek out learning the skill to be more vulnerable or opening up a bit more. It's one of the things that we'll point out when we're talking about conversations around relationships is if you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to be able to communicate with your partner. You have to be able to let them know if there's something wrong. You have to let them know and open up if you're experiencing stuff. Because one, they can help you take that weight off your shoulders. But also, if you don't open up about those things, they may eventually hinder that relationship. Correct. Yeah. So if you hear any of those whys of like, if that resonates with any of you, like start looking into how you can develop this skill a bit more because... Those are going to be integral parts in every asset of your life. So true. And here's also really interesting. When you were saying that, I was like reminded that I connected with that. So I spoke at a men's event 
just outside of Seattle, uh, about a month ago, actually. So shortly after we had connected initially, and uh, I, I got to go down. It was my first time going back to the States since the borders had opened up, which is great. It was like, wow, <laughs> this is cool. I, I remember why I like traveling and connecting with people in real yeah. life, you know, not on a TV screen, looking at people that are about one inch by one inch, right? Like, oh, yeah. it, it was awesome. And um, I got an opportunity to connect with this, this uh, psychologist from Australia, and he brought up something really interesting. You know, he, 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 and he, he's got a specialization in, in neuroscience and, and he's saying our brains aren't wired to be happy. It's kind of like, huh, what are you talking about? You know, and he's like, no, no, we're, our brains are wired to learn. And the two most effective ways that we learn is through modeling and mentorship. So modeling of certain habits, behaviors, ideas, right? And then also the mentorship or that, that extra guidance or layer of guidance of, of people that maybe are, have a better understanding of what that is and they're able to then support and help as we ourselves start to learn, you know, and adapt. And, you know, there's a, an old saying, I think it was Ben Franklin said, what is it? It's, if you tell me, I will forget. If you show me... Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now, but I forget what it is. But it ultimately, when you think about it, it's all this idea about helping actually do the thing. Yeah. Like that's where we really learn and we hardwire some of those, uh, that learning itself, right? Like we, we really see the application, but that depth of awareness and knowledge, or I, I would say it goes and becomes more wisdom than anything, you know, it's that deeply rooted understanding of something. And I think about, vulnerability in this scope i mean how do we learn to be vulnerable i mean those two things especially you know modeling and mentorship i don't know any other way we can really learn to be vulnerable without just trying to figure it out on a whim and, and just do it putting ourselves out there but as men specifically women i think are very good at this they're, they're naturally having vulnerable conversations their entire life whereas men it's not the same at least it hasn't been in my experience, you know, and from the people that I connect with, doesn't matter the age demographic, it seems that this is a common reoccurring theme for men. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem, you know, is it, creating this ability to have a safe place where we can actually model the behavior, but also mentor people through it. And because uh, those are the two critical pieces that are needed for us as men to be able to start actually practicing this and developing a healthier relationship or understanding of what it means to be vulnerable, you know? Well, and looking at like the mentorship piece specifically is I think when people think of mentorship, they think of this old wise sage person and like this young apprentice um, or like a soccer, like your coach or like a parent or a father figure or something like that. But when we're looking at mentorship, especially in this capacity, that doesn't necessarily need to be the case as think the way that I often will think about mentorship in this space is okay. I do this for a living. My job is going out doing presentations, having conversations like this. It's not my friends, but if I bring that into the discussion, hmm. I can help them in that space. So maybe I'm not a mentor. I'm one of their, I'm a friend, but I'm giving them tools that they can then use and work on so it's more of like a i'm looking out for my friends and i want what's best for them and if this is something that they think is going to be the best for them let me give them the tools to do that 
like it. It's true. You know, I like guess a lot of times it's just having enough tools. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, or, I, or the I, right I, tools. The right tool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I think it's a lot of it has to come back down to our understanding or our points of reference, you know, like what, what and if we don't have that many points of reference, we're left to try to guess or fill in the blanks, right? The mind is an interesting thing. Like when it doesn't know something, it's not a matter of, oh, maybe I should go Google. It's like, well, I'll just, you know, start to scour my brain for anything that's semblance and try to make sense of it. And then our brains will make up the answers a lot of time or fill in the blanks. But unfortunately, if we don't have a lot of perspectives or, or background or experience, we might not be filling it in with the right stuff. You know, it, it's like a crossword puzzle and, oh, well, this has X amount of letters and I see two of the letters. Oh, okay, well, it fits. I got this word to fit. And then all of a sudden you go into the next words and it's like, oh, okay, now this isn't lining up. You know, it's, but I got the word and it fit in there and it made sense compared to whatever the, the clue was. What's going on? You know, and, and that's what I mean by this incomplete perspective, right? And, and experience. And, and that's also why I think it's important to have mentorship in our lives because it, all it is is just people that might be a few steps ahead of us yeah. that have already endured maybe a, a little, you know, a little bit of time on that similar journey or similar direction that we want to ourselves go but it's nice because they can at least turn around and say hey you know i messed up here here and here it's all good yeah. got through it i'm better for it now but just a heads up these might be things that you can prepare yourself for you know awesome thank you <laughs> you know like great yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't always happen does it? Mm -hmm. yeah and it's when we're looking at relationships with men it's and we were talking about this right before the recording i read an article a few weeks ago um, that was kind of talking on the same the same topic we're having right now, the discussion we're having right now, where one of the pieces that is often left out of discussions around vulnerability for men is that the way that men's relationships look with each other is often a little bit different. Men, we do really good in groups. One-on-one, <laughs> -on -one, we're a little bit more iffy. So if we're looking at like the groups that we hang out with, when we're hanging out like specifically like with our closest groups of friends, we'll go in on each other. We will talk crap about each other. We will just go in. But we know where those limits are. We know the things that I'm not going to joke about this with my friend because that's going to hurt them. But it's when we're not hanging out with our friends, we'll only say nice things about them. I will never say anything mean about my friends behind their back because I think they're all great people. But to their faces, that's all they're going to hear. <laughs> yes. And if that sounds like your friend group, but then you also know that you can call them up if you have like super something super big going on or you just need help with something and they'll be there to help you. You've already accomplished that first step in opening up to them because you know that you can rely on them. You can't, you're not going to call up a stranger and be like, hey, can you help me? It's like, I don't know them. They're probably going to say no. I would, if a random number called me, it was like, hey man, can you pick me up? I'm like, no, I don't know you. I'd not take it. No, that doesn't sound fun. But if it's a friend, I'll help them out. So we're already at a, at a baseline. Guys, we already have a slight understanding of what it means to be vulnerable and open up to our friends. But it often looks a little bit different. But that's also not to say then we can just like wash our hands of it. It's like, oh, see, yep, I'm already vulnerable with my friends. I just said I was. That's that. Oh, that's like the opening of the door. It's like you've got the door open, but how often are you able to have those in-depth, meaningful conversations with your friends where alcohol isn't present? 
how often are you able to have those conversations with your friends one-on-one or can you text them and say like hey man just like how are you doing like i saw today when we were hanging out like you just seemed like a little bit off are you good like how many of you would feel comfortable sending that text message and that's that next step it's true and that it's it's challenging you know, like it, it really is. And uh, when I think about sort of the practical applications or, you know, how do people even get started with this? It's, I mean, obviously, if you can find an existing men's group, I think it's probably the, the simplest solution to start with, because at least you get around other people that are probably exactly the same place where you're at right now, or just a few steps ahead. You know, they're just people that have started to practice the skill a little bit before you did. But getting around a community like that can be very enriching. And, and clarifying you know for for ourselves and I, I i know for myself it's what i required you know i really did i needed a community of other men that were open to to practicing the skill together because also i wanted deeper connection you know i just did i was tired of the surface conversations the same surface conversations you know again and again and again and i just it's like i never really felt like i know anybody nor do i feel like they really know me you know, it's like all these stock answers, right? Like, and stock questions. And it's just like, man, are we just going through the motions? And, uh, you know, I, I just felt disconnected, very unsatisfied in a lot of my male relationships. And so that was like a big motivation for me because I was like, I don't want this for the rest of my life. I want to have some good, close male friends that I can have open dialogue with and hard conversations with, but also be there to support them too, you know? And, um, so it, that was one simple way to at least find a community that might already be open and practicing this. But if we don't have access to that, you know, there's a, a couple of basic things to keep in mind. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the first one is, you know, we have to redefine vulnerability and be able to see it as a strength, not a weakness. You know, and because I think a lot of us, well, the term itself, you know, one of the definitions of vulnerability, it does refer to weakness. It, it's, it's these areas that, I mean, in the IT world, right, vulnerability refers to like the integrity of a system, yeah. you know, a network. You have vulnerabilities here. You might get hacked, right? Like, so we, we you know, that's popular culture in that whole tech space. And, and that term vulnerability refers to that often, you know? So there might be that relationship with the, the word in that context. And then on the other side, we might be thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I've got this bulletproof vest, but man, it's got this big gaping hole right here in my chest over my heart. Well, that's a vulnerability. You know, I, I could get killed here. You know, like, again, kind of a negative association and, and understanding of the word. But how do we see vulnerability as a strength? And that's the conversation I'm most interested in people starting to engage in. Because we can reframe vulnerability not as a weakness, not as something to be afraid of or to, to avoid, but actually something to embrace and appreciate and utilize to bring people closer, to bring understanding, to reduce tensions, to, to create deeper connection, right? And camaraderie and community. Like, absolutely, that's the way to go, you know? And, but again, we have to be able to shift it from weakness to a strength. And that's going to involve conversation, dialogue, <laughs> and and to be fair, an open mind. Yeah. And also, uh, it's I, a, I think that's where you want to start. You know. Yeah. It's also going to require us to have an understanding. The English language is stupid. Uh, and yes, we that's multiple, right. <laughs> we could have multiple definitions for the exact same word, like Correct. bat and bat. Yes. <laughs> like so, vulnerability can have multiple definitions. Like in the space of 
those of us who do domestic and sexual violence prevention work, going out to the community and talking about what populations are the most vulnerable or at risk. It's like we have that connotation of they're vulnerable, but they're populations that have been made vulnerable. So making that shift to just add another bullet point in the Webster Dictionary that says vulnerability, a willingness to be open, like it's just something that needs to be there. And you're absolutely right. That's going to be one of those first steps is like if we can shift how we're viewing vulnerability, it makes everything else so much easier to talk about and do. Because if you're going into a conversation where it's like maybe some of you even when you pulled this up, they're like, okay, how can we talk about making men weaker? <laughs> like we have we have these connotations around vulnerability already. And if I'm coming in with that negative mindset towards it, I am not going to be able to engage meaningfully in that conversation and I'm not going to hear anything unless it's something that I wanted to hear. Like, oh, see, they said men are weak. Got it. Check it. On to the next one. Yeah. It's because uh, once you, yeah, it's that relationship with the understanding of the word and, and the context as it relates to our own life. And, and yeah, I, I think once we start to reshape our understanding of what the word can mean, going from there and then realizing that there's nothing shameful about being a man, you know, shame, blame, negativity, like just, and what I mean by this, like, you know, the, the old adage, boys don't cry. Yeah. Right. Or boys shouldn't cry or don't cry. You know, that's a sign of weakness. Don't show your weakness. You know, like this, this be stoic, you know, don't emote unless you're pissed off because if you're pissed off, you, you want to show that emotion. And that's modeled plenty to us all the time, isn't it? So it's, it's a very natural thing that we're very, we can be vulnerable and get really upset very simply. But on the flip side, those more endearing and, 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 and my belief, you know, enduring emotions are those more positive emotions, right? The, the emotions that actually bring us closer together, not where anger tends to push us away <laughs> or create conflict or, uh, you know, we're trying to resolve conflict, but, you know, realizing that there isn't, any shame attached to being vulnerable. Again, it's sort of piggybacking on that understanding from number one, but mm -hmm. seeing it as a strength, but also seeing that it is not a thing to be shameful of ever. Yeah. And it gives us the opportunity to kind of dive into, at least when we're having conversations with other people, then if they can get that re reframing of what vulnerability means to start diving into those conversations of some of the whys somebody is looking at being more vulnerable, because if as a guy, the only emotion we can express is anger, or we can only be violent if something upsets us. What do you think is going to happen in a relationship then when your partner does something to inevitably make you upset? Because in a relationship, you're eventually going to have to have a fight. You're eventually going to say something that your partner is going to be like, mm, didn't like that. So those tensions are going to rise every now and then. That's every relationship. But if your only tool in your tool belt is to be violent and angry, instead of being able to open up and express what you're actually feeling in that moment, you're being set up for failure. Sure. It's true. I mean, it's, yeah, there's no shame in being vulnerable, bottom line. No. And as men, I don't want this to come across as I'm, you know, being overly dogmatic here, but in my experience, in some of the circles that I've been associated with, you know, I've seen men ridicule other men for being vulnerable, mm -hmm. for opening up. You know, they refer to them as 
weak or womenly, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? And that is a stigma that's got to go away, you know, like this, this idea. And, and I think that's also something that's holding back more men from actually opening up. Cause I, I truly believe that it's a, it's naturally in all of us, this ability to open up, yeah. you know, like, cause we want connection. We want more meaningful relationships. We want to feel more fulfilled than connected with our own lives and the things in it. Like we, we naturally want that. It's not like we have to be told, go get that. We want it. We're seeking it. But the thing that's holding us back is that there's a good contingency of people out there, other men, that are vilifying this idea of being vulnerable. Yeah. They're shaming others. Like I posted on LinkedIn a long time ago. I remember when I first shared my TEDx talk, there was a couple of guys from Australia that chimed in and it, nothing to knock Australia, but I've got a number of Australian male friends and some of them are very open, but some of them are very chauvinistic and very closed. And they see anything vulnerable as being girly, weak. Mm-hmm. You know, they've also used some other derogatory terms, but they shamed it. You know, they were saying a real man isn't vulnerable. Like just these kind of statements, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, you said that publicly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, is that your inside voice? Like, what's going on here? You know, and I didn't engage with it. I just, I, I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, other people came to the defense, you know, and commented and, but it turned into a piston match, you know, and it was just like, yeah. no one was going to win because they had their belief. We had our belief. It's a stalemate. And it basically just came down to who's going to yell the loudest. Right. And that's unfortunate, but that is a very common way of dealing with hard stuff as men. And no one leaves that situation, that engagement feeling good. Yeah. It's brutal, brutal. You know, it's one of the things that I will often try to get across to some people is like, well, why do like, cause just like in that example and the example that you used earlier where, um, the guy from the men's group got defensive. Mm-hmm. You're saying when we're saying things and your initial response is to get defensive or to go on the attack of the person saying it, what is making you become defensive? What is making you want to go on the attack? Because there's something there that's being said then that makes that feels like it's a personal attack on you when it's not. I don't I don't go out yelling at somebody for saying something unless I feel like they've said that to me. So one of the pieces here is getting that understanding of if I do get defensive when someone says says something like uh, men should be able to be vulnerable, men should be able to cry, men should be able to do this. Where's that defensiveness coming from? And obviously that's not something that we can work on. That's something you're probably going to want to talk to like a therapist or somebody else who's a trained professional who's able to help you with that because maybe your friends aren't going to be the best people to navigate that conversation with. And again, there's also nothing wrong with going to see a therapist. I think everybody should see a therapist at least sometimes. I agree. It was integral in my working through some of the hardest, (laughs) most challenging situations in my life. Yeah, psychiatrist for a while, worked with a couple of counselors for a while. Like it, it helped hugely, you, oh, yeah. you know, hugely. And uh, more so because it gave me the tools to be able to make sense of myself, <laughs> but also healthier ways of dealing with some of the internal strife I was living through. You know, like just the, the, that inner critic was very noisy, very loud and well, very demanding. And uh, a lot of times it was the dominant voice in my head, you know, and um 
I gave it full control. I've, I've put fuel on that fire, you know, like, and, and until we realize that a lot of the way that we live our lives, how we show up, how we feed our minds, you know, like there's so many things that are influencing who we are and who we're becoming. And I think a lot of the time, and you know, not all the time, but a lot of the time, a lot of it is, is on autopilot. Oh yeah. You know, we're just, you know, people often refer, well, it feels like it's groundhog day. Well, it's like, okay, well, if your groundhog's day involves a lot of the same negative connotations and same sort of conversations and the same, same, same of things that you're not liking, not feeling fulfilled, not feeling connected to in your life, you have to ask yourself, well, what do I got to do to change this? And I think that's the right question to ask, but you have to take a, into account, you're asking me, like, what should I do? You know, like, because it is that self-accountability and awareness that man, the only one that's going to make any changes here, true changes is me. Because yeah. that's really what it comes down to, you know, so that, that certain level of self-accountability and being okay to be autonomous and say, you know what, I'm doing this for me. And in a way, getting selfish with that decision, it's like, I want to be more vulnerable. I want better association. I want to grow and learn. I want to be more. There's nothing wrong with it. It's in our DNA. We want to be more. Just sometimes we get very discouraged and we get beat down by the world, by our peers, by situations, by our health. I mean, there's lots of factors that are always going to be pushing back on us. But hey, you know what? We're all resilient. We can get through the hard stuff. And if we find it hard to do that on our own, that's where community is really powerful, having the right association. And, and to be perfectly blunt, you know, when my life made the biggest changes, it was because I wanted to. But I also realized the association I had was not going to be supportive of those changes. So I had to change my association. I got a quote I like to say, if you can't change the people around you, just change the people around you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because it's, it's the truth, right? And that's exactly what I've done. And I've done this numerous times in my life when I've wanted to, I've recognized there's been areas that are missing in my life. Mm -hmm. It's making me feel remiss, incomplete, like I'm missing out because I know who I want to be and I know who I'm evolving to. I know what I'm working towards. I have that clear vision. And I realized a lot of that association and, and currently the now wasn't providing what I needed to get to that next place. And it's okay. I know it's a scary place to be when we realize that, that maybe our association, our friend groups, like all this, even our family in certain situations, we have to distance ourselves at times. And that's hard. It, 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 there's nothing easy about this. I, I know the conversation we're having today, I'd like it to be all like, rah, 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 woo. Uh, but this is the real life stuff. You know, it's not yeah. easy. But my gosh, is it worth it? And once you start practicing it, holy smokes, the conversations, the quality of connection is just like, you'll be kicking yourself like I was thinking, man, why didn't I start practicing this like 20 years ago? Yeah. What and, would happen then? You know? And I want to make sure that I make this clear for the listeners is that we're not conflating like basically no. saying the the exact opposite of stoic is vulnerable yes that's right no no um so like all. just thinking about my the friends and the people that i hang out with regularly is like i have a few friends who are like that very stoic person yeah they're they will just kind of like be stoic um but i know if something is wrong with me i can have that conversation with them i know they'll have that moment of opening up with me if I see something wrong with them or if they see something wrong with me, but their personality isn't changing. We, I think we have an understanding of stoic as a trait 
that we have to that we have to grow up and learn when that's just some people's personality that's who they are so a stoic person can be vulnerable. Correct. A stoic person can open up. So I'm not saying that if you're a stoic person that you have to change who you are. Right. I'm just saying just maybe gain another skill if you don't have it. That's right. Well said. You know, it's, um, I mean, come on. Right? A few extra tools in the toolbox can, can only do us well. Like it's. <laughs> And uh, I mean, we got one life. I mean, well, hopefully we got more, but who knows? Everyone's got a different belief around that. But if we just go on the basis that we know for sure, we got at least one, yeah. why not make the best of it? Mm-hmm. You know, like why not make it as full and as rich as it possibly could be and, and have the most amount of fun as we can while we're here. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean that in a healthy way, of course. <laughs> so um, yes. yeah, I, I, I know it's a tough conversation. It's an interesting concept. I know there's a lot of, content being put out in the world right now a lot of conversations happening around this subject matter and mm-hmm. i think that's a good thing you know i don't think it's a bad thing and but i think it's important to try to navigate this conversation with others do you know what i mean like it, to, to be engaged in a conversation with other people in particular like what we're talking about the sake of today's conversation you know because I have that console with other men that are on a similar path and similarly open to having these types of conversations or ideas and sharing them, you know, when we come and we practice more vulnerability, we we learn a lot more about ourselves. Oh yeah. You know, we, we, we do, but also being vulnerable and being authentic to ourselves is important too. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to be clear and to actually own those little things that make us up, you know, make us who we are right now it doesn't mean we have to like all those aspects that we can say, well, there's a couple of things I really don't like about myself and I wish I could do differently. Great. Acknowledge that. Start doing something differently. But that's also being vulnerable. Like, you know, it's this ability to be able to open up and to get really honest with oneself. Yeah. But not from a place of shame and judgment and, and, and ridicule or, or, or making us feel worse, but really from an empowering place that, hey, okay, but I am clear and confident on who I want to be and who I'm working towards becoming. I am clear on what skills I currently have, but I also am pretty clear on the skills I want to develop. That builds confidence. Yeah. You know, when you have clarity, you have confidence because you know what's what and you know direction of where you're going. Mm-hmm. But then you got to start practicing what it is you're doing and learning and talking about. Like you actually have to put this into application and implement it. Because if you don't, you don't actually learn and, and that confidence will turn into procrastination. And then, you know, we're right back where we started in that Groundhog's Day scenario where it's just, we're just going through the motions wondering, why doesn't anything change? Man, life feels like it's the same thing. I don't feel like I'm growing. I feel actually like I'm regressing. And oh, I got to distract myself from this feeling. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, in my case, it was drinking. Mm-hmm. That's why I distract myself. Some people use porn, some people gamble, some people smoke, you know, like some people eat. But we have unhealthy coping mechanisms when we feel lost, disconnected, confused, unhappy. Ugh. Vulnerability can be that key to open a door to change. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I want people to start to appreciate it. It's just another key on my key ring that's going to allow me to get into a different room when I'm ready to move, you know, and make some changes. And uh, it's only a skill that can help. It really won't yeah. hinder. And uh, that's all I can keep saying. And, and it's funny, right? Because we have this conversation. It's like you and I are talking about all these great ideas. People probably listen. Okay, well, how do I actually do this? You know, how do I get started? And the thing is, is, just start. 
Yeah. Just start, like just start doing a couple of the little things that we talked about today, being aware of what it is that we're saying to ourselves in our mind, especially when we have that inkling, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, my friend's getting really honest or opening up about something very serious right now. Well, I have a story that's similar. I've never really told anybody this, but you know what? Maybe this is the time for me to tell that story. So they don't feel like they're so alone. So they get that I truly do empathize and understand where they are. Because I'll tell you, for that person in that moment, to hear that from you, it's like you just sued them a life preserver. You know, it, it is, I, I know there's been a very couple dark periods of my life. And, and when people opened up to me, when I was conveying to them what I was struggling with, and then they related to me, wow, 10 years ago, you were dealing with something similar? I had no idea. Because also there were people that I respected. That's why I was opening up, you know, and being vulnerable with them, sharing where I was at, because I had that, that trust in them, you know, because trust is earned. It's not given, you know, and, and uh, it is earned very much so. And vulnerability doesn't, you don't want to be vulnerable with everybody. You don't need to be because not every, people do have to earn your vulnerability at times. And, and uh, I know Brene Brown talks about it, especially in the corporate structure, but um, it, it applies in real life every day, you know? So anyways, I know we could keep talking about this stuff and oh, yeah. hopefully, you know, all I can say is the people that are listening to watching, like, well, if there's one thing and it was just like, yeah, one thing, and there's that little inkling feeling yourself, it's like, yes, this is something I want to start doing more of. Okay, well, grab hold of that feeling <laughs> and do something right away, like right now, you know, finish up this podcast and then go do something find a group, you know, go get a book by Brene Brown, watch her Ted talk, you know, like, sheesh, watch my Ted talk. Like go to my blog. I've got articles written about this, you know, like just start to open up your understanding and perspective and, and, and find a place to practice a safe place to practice, you know, because sheesh, as soon as you start doing that, watch out because momentum picks up very fast mm -hmm. and you'll be surprised at where it will take you. And to really just hit this point home for listeners here, um, if you, especially if you listen to the episode we did last time, where we talked more a, a little bit around like people's beliefs and their values and stuff. When, if you have like that icky feeling after you've done something, that icky feeling is your values and beliefs coming through and saying, hey, you've done something that doesn't sit right with who you are as a person. That's right. That can be the thing that you latch on to to begin the journey to learn to be more vulnerable. Just listening to that icky feeling. Listen to that voice in your head that says, hey, man, that was gross. I don't want to do that. Yes. That could be the thing. Latch on to that. So. I like that. That's, that's, I like that a lot. You know, that's true, right? It, it is true. And uh, self-awareness, you know, that, that mindfulness piece is really important. Just becoming aware of what's going on for ourselves at any given moment. And uh, I know we're not here to talk about mindfulness and meditation and all that other good stuff, but uh, you know, as you go down this path of, of educating and learning and, and then experimenting with being more vulnerable, you'll probably realize that these other pieces come into play very quickly, you know, like yep. meditation and mindfulness and self-care and even physical fitness and health, you know, like all these pieces are, what allow us to, to continue to thrive and evolve and change in a positive way. And if we're not in that healthy place, it's really hard to have these types of conversations. It really is. It's, it's just that much more compounded from a difficulty standpoint. And uh, I, I can speak from experience because listen, we're not feeling good. Chronic aches, pains, sickness. 
I mean, having a vulnerable conversation, probably not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it just, it's, it, it will be forced. It won't be authentic. Typically, you know, it's just, it, it's really hard. Not to say it's not possible. Of course it's possible, but you know, working on ourselves, practicing the self-care, trying to be as healthy as we possibly can, holistically speaking, that's only going to help us become whoever it is that we want to become. But in particular around vulnerability, uh, you know, when we're in a healthier place, we have the confidence that we can do the hard stuff, you know? And, and at least that's what I've noticed in my own experience. I know when I'm feeling good, when I'm in a healthy place, I'm doing good things that show myself that I care about myself, the hard conversations, yeah, they're still hard, but man, my ability to be resilient in those conversations through the roof, you know, like I, I just, I'm, I'm able to stick out the conversation, work through the hard stuff. You know, my wife and I, we, we got into a big argument a week ago. We went and we functioned all last week without really connecting. We were very surface, very much there. We still looked after each other. We were acknowledging each other. I mean, we live on a condo, you know, 1,100 square feet, a couple of bedrooms, like not a lot of room to hide. Uh, so right. especially when I work from home and she works from home um, a hybrid, you know, a little bit here and a little bit at the office. But uh, come Saturday, it was like we were both at that place and we needed to have a, a real good heart to heart. Well, it was a two-hour conversation. I'll tell you, it was nothing, not even close to being easy for me nor for her but we came out of that conversation with uh, just so much more love for one another and understanding and commitment as well as a, a resolution you know but man we needed to have that conversation and to be fair i was avoiding it for the week i was i was like dreading it. i knew it was going to be needed i knew we had to have it mm -hmm. because i knew deep down i did have that icky feeling about our argument I knew that I had said some things and she said some things too. Like we both said things that we didn't like. It's out of character for us. We were triggered. We were hot headed. It was in the moment, but, but it happened, you know? And uh, thankfully, you know, the person that I am now versus the person I was 12, 13 years ago, I, I wouldn't have had the conversation last time. I would have defaulted and gone and hung out with some guys, had some drinks and bitched about her. Mm -hmm. that's what I would have done, you know, like, and I would have avoided the conversation. I would have just waited till it eventually subsided and, and moved on, never dealing with the problem. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it wouldn't have been very functional, nor is a good example to my kids of, of how to deal with conflict. Right. Especially with a, someone that you're romantically involved with and committed to, you know? It, so yeah, anyways, I, I feel good for how it went. It was hard, but I'm just choosing that as an example that listen, as much as I talk about this stuff, geez, I still struggle with practicing it oh, too. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. So if anybody can at least take that to the bank, you know, I am I'm, I'm yeah, been actively trying to get better and better at this. And I have, I've improved. I, I, my wife is even acknowledges, she's like, you know, had we had this conversation 10 years ago, I don't even know if we would have been together still. You know like what I mean? Like with the guy that I was 10 years ago, if I was having that conversation, yep. the chances are we, we wouldn't be together. Oh yeah. I can, I can easily second that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm obviously like not perfect at doing this either, but it's like, I can even okay. second that even, even every now and then, like if I'm having conversations with my friends and one of them starts to like be more vulnerable with me, I still have to make sure that I'm telling myself like, Focus on what they're saying. Stay present in the conversation. Don't think about what you're going to say next. Yes. I was like, I'm 
still actively having to work on those things to have these conversations with my friends. And sometimes I don't do great or it's going into the avoiding like sphere of I'm not ready to have this conversation. So how do I steer this in a way that allows me to either avoid it or end up having the conversation later when it was when things have like cooled down or it's so it's easier to have the conversation instead of when it needed to actually happen. So I'm still making those mistakes. I'm still working on those things too. So take it from both of us who (laughs) obviously can still tell you that we have things to work on, but you get better at it. Just like we said at the start of this, any skill that you're learning, any talent you're trying to build, you've got to practice it. If you're not practicing it, you're going to lose it. And if you're not practicing it, you're not going to be able to perform come game time. That's right. Well said. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me again, Di. Thanks, I Sean. always it's enjoy our conversations. Um, and just for just in case there's somebody listening who hasn't listened to our first one, do you have any <laughs> socials you want to push out to the audience? Uh, you know, thanks, Sean. I, I always appreciate our conversations and I always leave these feeling I just energized, you know, uh, as challenging as the conversation can be and as, as a topic or subject matter, you know, it, it's just a reminder that to myself and just, you know, from a purely selfish standpoint, I feel proud of the conversation you just had. Yeah. Only because I know I'm doing something that does push my comfort zone way out there, you know, <laughs> and, and it's a good thing, you know, it's a really good thing. And, and I encourage anyone and everyone to practice that, to open up, to, to put themselves in a place where, yeah, you do get pushed into way places that you normally would never choose to go. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you realize, geez, I didn't die. I'm okay. I'm still alive. I mean, was it really that bad? No. Um, anyways, these types of conversations I love. And if people want to engage or have a conversation or, or, or ask me a question, I, I'm most active on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you can type my name in, you'll find me. All right. All my platforms, wide open, totally public. Nothing's hidden. I got nothing to hide anyways. <laughs> and uh, it's all there. Um, just shoot me a note. Say, hey, I heard you and Sean talking about it. This is how I practice vulnerability. Or this is what I believe strength is, you know, as a man. Like, awesome. I'd love to have that conversation. And outside of that, check out my website. There's about 1,800 articles there. I've been contributing to my website, blogging for, well, gee, Sean, I was about to say as long as you've been alive. But no, not quite that long. But uh, <laughs> I, long enough that, that I've got a lot of content there. And it's all there just to help people with perspective shifts and, and really also turning that perspective more inward and asking ourselves the questions that we need to to get the clarity that we need to move on to gain the confidence, to be able to take action, to procrastinate less, and to really just evolve into the people we're meant to be. Because it, it, it's all in us. Uh, this is the one thing I love. I look at people and I'm like, man, if you could see the potential I see in you, it, it just, it, it, you know, you'd be unstoppable. And sometimes it just takes reminding someone a lot to get them there, you know? And, and I, that's what a lot of the content's geared to, is helping people channel that inner potential into something outwardly. And... Uh, because man, we all, we need everybody. We need everybody mm-hmm. to make this world to the place that we all want it to be, you know? Yep. And uh, just end on this note, but uh, men are the problem, okay? So uh, <laughs> I'm yes. just gonna say that right now. I am going on the record. Yes, we are the problem, um, but we're working on it and we need more men that yeah. are willing to work on it, you know? Yep, yep, wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> <laughs> I hate saying that. I know there's gonna be some guys that reach out, what are you talking about, we're the problem? I'm like, oh, think about it. Yeah, well, it's, this is a 
sidetrack point at this point, but it's the thing that I try to get across to most people. The, per, the group of people on a global scale who do the most harm to other people are men. We do the most harm to women. We do the most harm to other men. So, yeah, we're part of the problem, but that also means that we are and have to be part of the solution. That's yes, yes, and yes. And, and also, you know, we, we also cause the most amount of harm to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I, I look at addiction and just how prolific and how deep that runs now in our cultures. And being someone that battled with that, I get it. And it's tough. It is hard. Doing the right thing isn't easy, but it's the right thing and it's worth doing, you know? And uh, yeah, we're building an army one person at a time, right? But man, I'll tell you, all you men out there, if we all lock arms and we say, listen, we want to change these stigmas, we want to change these stereotypes, we want to redefine these terms that we talked about today, we can do it. Yep. We can. It's doable. Very doable. I mean, it's not like we're trying to solve climate change right now. Well, that'd be a good one to fix too. There's yeah. other people working well, on that, but let's add it to the list. Yeah, we'll add it to the list. But these are real things that I think we can do because it's part of our everyday living. You know, same yeah. as climate change, and there's a lot of other big issues. But this issue that we're talking about right now, I think, is the one that's the easiest to solve. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like because of podcasts and organizations like the one that you're a part of, right, Sean and. Mm-hmm the other larger platforms that they're carrying this conversation. Anyways, we're, we're getting off topic again and getting right back to, uh, but just say thank you. I'm honored. And I know we'll be back to chat again sometime soon. So uh, yes, for it's sure. not a goodbye. It's just like, ta-ta for now. <laughs> yes. yes. So hopefully you've all liked the conversations that Di and I have, because I am sure there'll be more to come in the future, but thank you again for joining us, Di. And thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at TouchySubsPod. Email us any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And please rate us on your favorite podcast listening app. It really does help the show out. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects. <laughs>